Hello and welcome to The Gist. I'm your host, Chris Vetrano, here every week breaking down all the things in pop culture and interviewing the people that make it pop. Today, I have a great guest. He fronts an incredible pop punk band whose hit singles have scored multi-platinum selling status and their first four albums have soared up to the top of the Billboard charts. Their incredible live show has graced stages all over the world and their new single, Favorite Days, is already generating tons of buzz as they prepare to hit the road again. Please welcome to the gist, Neon Trees frontman Tyler Glenn. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Chris. That was an intro for... for <laughs> For the days. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you guys have been doing it. And uh it's it's great to see you again. It's been a it's while. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been a long time. You're from uh you're from an earlier an earlier era. Yeah, I think 13 years. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think last time I saw you, you were uh in Nashville opening for Maroon 5. We went to dinner at Rolf and Daughters. Um, but even then it's been a long time since then. Yeah, so that that oh, because that was like 2012. 2013 was it yeah yeah awesome um yeah and so i so i i'll tell the listeners but i want you to kind of give us some of the backstory because i was first introduced to neon trees at in 2010 at uh, south by southwest um i think upstairs at some venue i can't remember uh you and i met afterwards you handed was it me. that entertainment weekly party yes. yeah it was like <laughs> yeah, the entertainment weekly like <laughs> artist to watch or something yeah and uh you handed me the the kind of like sampler or the like three song EP. And totally. uh, I was like, Oh, these guys are going to be amazing. Um, and you were shortly after your uh, single animal was everywhere. Went double platinum um, habits, incredible debut album. I actually mm. was just earlier today listening to in the, in the next room, which is a song that I spin all the time. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's a great song. Um, but tell folks here like a little bit about how you got to that point and how did the band sort of come together? You know, I mean, it was, it was like, well, it was those days, obviously. And now we're going to date my date ourselves, but, um, who cares? I'm happy to be the AJM. Uh, 2005 was like a different day for sure. Yeah, That's when we first sort of joined forces as a band um you know half my band was playing in different different bands it was very much that like early like start a band get in a practice space and write songs together era and like mm -hmm. when we decided we want to play shows like booking it ourselves very myspace and pure volume and early facebook days um and we just were the type to like let's play in front of anybody and everybody no shame we played apartment buildings we played like a, a juicery where in the middle of our performance like there would be blenders like coffee <laughs> shops it, it was kind of just this we'll do whatever and we were in random provo utah which mm -hmm. no one thinks of as a place for music or entertainment right like yeah. um but we all sort of met there I, you know i i was raised mormon most of my band was raised mormon so there was yeah. that connection there that brought us to utah but i wasn't there to do mormon things i was there to uh you know start a band and then go back to la which was sort of what i was brought up on is like that's where the music industry is that's where you'll network and we sort of tried to do that like move to la although we didn't really move to la we just moved back home to temecula but we told yeah. everyone we we're moving to la and <laughs> we would drive up there every week and like play a show or 
or, or try to meet somebody to come watch us or do a networking thing. And, um, we hustled and we grinded and we didn't have, we didn't have the tools that people have now, which for better, for worse. Um, I think, you know, some of it brought, uh, brought us a lot of our integrity and a lot of like our, our hustle, which I think was really important. But, um, we eventually got signed out of Utah. We had an A&R, an A&R come to a show like an hour north of Salt Lake at this tiny little place. And they had seen us open for the Killers twice. We did like, I think the the legend that, at least our legend was that we like toured with them, but we really only did like two West Coast shows. Yeah. Um, on their day and age tour. And it, that's all it took, just getting in front of the right audiences and building kind of a core audience here. And yeah, we got signed. I think we also just thought we like, we would make a record and then go on tour and then we would like make another record. Cause our favorite bands or those types of bands that like, you know, built something. And I feel, feel like we did, but we had no concept of like our first song at radio would like blow us into the stratosphere yeah and it was a weird life to lead like instantly and the naivete of our band was really pure because we were like oh this is just life now like we rub shoulders with celebrities we're playing talk shows oh now we're opening for all these big bands yeah and it was a rush and a ride for probably five solid years of like touring releasing records and my life caught up with me and you know, the rest is sort of my history, but um, it was like, it, it is still amazing. I don't like to talk about it. Like it's not a thing still, but um, it was such a rush. That first sort of blast was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you were in the industry where I feel, cause I've, I was in the industry as well on the business yeah. side and I, you know, it, it was, in my opinion, more fun back then because artists were hustling and the ones that had it, like had the it factor, they did sort of like have the opportunity to be blown into the stratosphere. And I feel like now it's like so different. The formula is so different. It's like about how many, you know, views you get on uh, TikTok or if your sound gets like charting on the talk. It's high school. It's a popularity contest, right? Yeah. Yeah. it's wild how much it has changed. And I think, you know, you mentioned like the killers and you mentioned some of these other bands that you felt like they were recording records and going out and touring because that was what you did. And that was what you were supposed to do. And, and that's how you got the listeners was being on the road. And so for you guys too, you guys have such a dynamic live performance and you're such a dynamic live performer. Um, I remember like early on, I used to be like, it's like David Bowie and like Gwen Stefani together. Like that's Tyler. Oh, thank you. I mean, those are my, maybe throw Karen O and, you know, Freddie in the mix, but those are like my like highlight banner inspiration. So (laughs) yeah. And it, and it comes across and I think that was like, you know, and that's what I feel like now, even I, I mean, this is obviously you guys aren't in this kind of like pop space that like come from boy bands and stuff but we have i have this conversation a lot about how like in the day like nsync and backstreet boys like you know they have like a massive pop hits but they were also like working their asses off like learning dance routines and choreography oh i know we've learned about that in retrospect like how how much they really didn't see their slice of the pie 
Yeah. We're like truly hustling. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like even the like boy bands and stuff, they don't have to dance anymore and they don't have to like work mm-hmm. as hard. And they like, you know, they come up in different ways and they have the same sort of massive success and probably still aren't seeing a ton of the, the slice of the pie. But it's, yeah. it's just so much has changed since then. And, you know, and you mentioned, you know, the first album you guys or the first single sort of like got you guys there. But, you know, when most bands really struggle, especially as they call it, like the sophomore slump, you guys come out of the gates with a five-time platinum uh, Everybody Talks single Mm -hmm. to lead a picture show, um, which in my, like, is probably one of my favorites. I mean, I I am definitely an Andrews fan, but picture show, I mean, I could listen to it all the time because it's like, it's the soundtrack of my John Hughes movie life that I feel... Oh my and God. <laughs> I, I love it. And, um, you know, and so many artists like struggle to kind of make that leap and you guys did that like so effortlessly and it just kind of continued, um, for you so that you can kind of continue on that. What's journey. so funny about, or interesting about that is I truly thought of everybody talks was just going to be a nice bridge song. Cause it felt like it came from a similar palette, like an animal or habits era, but it, mm-hmm. It felt like a continuation of that. But then, you know, you mentioned Picture Show, which I feel was sort of like our our really stretching our wings and trying to be a little bit more like artistic and like really make a record. And it was also like there was a, there's a beautiful thing about if you has, have some success, your label is going to be more interested in giving you a little bit more of a budget and a little bit more time to make a record and um, and choose who you want to make it with and. And so we got to really have that record making experience. Like I lived in the W in Hollywood for two months and mm-hmm. we, we recorded at ocean way. It was just, and, and it felt, I'd already had this image in my mind. Like I wanted to make it about, um, a little bit of old Hollywood and new Hollywood and how that city can eat you alive. And mm-hmm. there, there's that element I wanted to thread through. And the imagery really came together just because every time I was walking the studio, there was the Hollywood sign. There was the energy of that, that time in LA. And, um, it was new to me. Like it was always, LA was always my, my backyard growing up in Temecula. Like I knew of LA, we would go there, see shows. We would go on little trips there, but to get to really know it in a, in a way that was different and being creative there was really special. Um, but I had no concept of picture show or of everybody talks being like, the song that was kind of like <laughs> continue it, you know, it, I was so pure in my mind of just like, Oh, we're going to make this really like interesting, arty new wave, you know, yeah. um, introspective record. And I'm going to sneak weird queer things in it. And I'm going to like highlight artists I love. And, and I, you know, I didn't realize that everybody talks would be the thing that sort of encapsulated the whole thing, but it, it yeah. got us, it only propelled us. Right. Like, and I love that song. I just didn't think of it in the way that I thought of the, uh, some of the other songs. And that's an age old thing, right? Like you have your, your favorites as an artist, but um, I'm grateful for that, that, that motherfucker. Cause it, it like continued our, our thing, you know? Of course, of course. And, you know, you mentioned like you snuck in some like queer things in there as well. And that's obviously like when you first came out um, as a band, uh, you, were not out as a performer and 
the time was different. It's it wasn't as accepted, but you did sort of have that, and it's probably part of why I like resonated with so many of the lyrics. I was in the same boat, I was in the same mm. closet, um, and so you know it was like we. I probably was like really drawn to some of the lyrics because you were sneaking that in, but it was still feeling like cool, and it was like yeah. still punk, and it was like oh we're gonna go and like you know jump around and at the Fillmore or whatever and and watch Neon Trees and totally. uh, and it didn't feel like you know, oh, I was being chastised for the type of music that I liked or things like that, which I think was like very cool. Um, And then obviously the other two albums are incredible and you continued on with the success. But one of the things that I noticed in uh, all of the records that you have is there does seem to be kind of like a thematic element to them. And I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just like, is, is that something that when you go in like picture show, like I mentioned, like the John Hughes, it has definitely like eighties feels and vibes and, and you've kind of always threaded that needle, but um, is that something that you do really intentionally when you start a project? I do. I do. I know. Uh, I mean, that's one thing I love about uh, the popularity of Taylor Swift and like her adopting of like eras. Like I, I, I know and it's very like hot right now and it's very associated with her, but I, I always thought of each album being its own era because that those, the artists that I loved did that, you know, even down to obviously like Madonna being a, the pop artist that she was, but, and is, but it was always like, it always said to me like, Oh, there's an, you have a new look now and you have a new theme. There's the colors are maybe brighter. Um, and it always started with a title. I remember thinking of, I think it was like pop psychology, came pretty early to me we were on tour and i was i just like i think i was gonna call it like phraseology or somethingology and then Mm -hmm. i was like oh pop psychology Mm -hmm. and at that time we were doing something that now doesn't even isn't relevant or matter but like at the time us being an alternative rock band right like with four members that played their instruments we were always very like in interviews uh saying we were a pop band and we weren't afraid of that moniker. And, mm-hmm. and I always think of Lady Gaga when she first came out and said like, pop will never be lowbrow. And like this kind of energy to like break away from the early 2000s and mid 2000s where it was so kind of uh, misogynistic and always so like, there were so many rules placed, especially on bands that you had to be a certain way. You had to look a certain way. You had to talk about certain things and I just didn't believe that. And I, as much as like, was a fan of alt music my whole life and always found like more of an identifier in those, like I was an absolute pop fan and I didn't ever see it as like a weird thing. Yeah. Now, now it doesn't matter. Like, right. Like pop is the main force um, of everything in, in a good way. I like, I love pop music and I, it's always been to me the most powerful kind of music because it can reach more people. Right. Uh, and you can really hide a lot in them. But for, for me, like, pop psychology was a way to play on the idea that we, we are a pop band. Um, and also like, it's also talking about my, my inner life and my struggle that I was going through and I sort of hiding that. And it is, I guess my coming out record, even though I feel like I came out more on my solo thing, my solo record, but I, but it was like the timing came out, like where I, I came out in Rolling Stone and I did the whole like, public coming out and so i guess that's associated with that record mm-hmm. but i even I, I remember going back to picture show which i remember this but i guess i didn't really acknowledge it until recently again that i in that song teenage sounds i say the line 
I'm sick of being called a fag because I'm queer. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even out till two years later. I wasn't even uttering the word. Like, so I was always, I think I was always hidden in plain view in, in ways, but I, yeah. maybe I didn't know it or maybe didn't have the confidence to, to do yeah. it yet. But it is nice to look back and go, I was always at least honest, as honest as I could be at that moment. Um, yeah. Which is, which I, I hopefully uh, resonates with people that at least listen, you know? Yeah. I mean, and like, like we've said, it, it was a different time. It just mm-hmm. wasn't as like widely accepted it. You also, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe you did in interviews, like have to deny that question or I don't oh, know. I did. Yeah. I, had to deny. I remember being asked specifically about that line during like promoting picture show and I, th- I think I was honest about my answer too. It was just like, I always thought of, you know, queer has been reclaimed in a way that I think is really cool and powerful and sort of yeah. like an umbrella term. But even back then, which is not that long ago, but like 10 ish years ago, 11 ish years ago, it's like queer to me meant weird or queer to me meant other. And so I was using that word in a way and I, and I had been called a fag since I was, you know, four yeah. <laughs> years old. So yeah, I was, I was being honest, but I, you know, you know, I think you more than anyone knows what it feels like to be in the closet and be afraid. And yeah. I didn't come out till I was 30. So I had a lot of wiring to undo. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I didn't, I didn't know that I came out at 30 as well. That's, uh, Oh, I mean, look at our, look yeah, at our timelines, the, the parallels. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and it was, and, and I did, I obviously remember that line and, and it being like something. And, you know, I, um, I remember, I can't remember where you guys played the Ogden or something in, in Denver. Uh, and I went to see you and I saw you after the show and uh, you had like, um, I can't remember her name. We, we became like friends on social media, uh, but she was like one of your best friends. Uh, and she was, was it like, Kate or was it Ashley? Kate. Kate, yeah. yeah, Kate, still, yeah. still my best friend. <laughs> oh, awesome! That's so good to yeah. hear. Um, yeah, Kate was there, and we were like, make, we were like talking about how, like, which one of you was Paris and which one of you was Nicole. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, I was like okay, I was like Tyler's family, and like I yeah, knew yeah. at the time, but I was like also not like telling anyone, and so it it did feel like just like oh, okay, I can really like dive into this band and like feel like I Do have you, somebody. Did you have? I mean us being so similar in, in in many ways, at least with the path of our, our like identity, like, did you have that ever that thought like it was no one's business to come out? Cause I, I sure did. Like I definitely adopted and, and even believed that, which I don't feel is the case uh, or, or is the truth. But I always felt like I really subscribed to the idea of like, it's no one's business or it's my little secret. Or I even like found it fun to be, uh, it could added mystery to me, which is, not a healthy thing right at all. Like I've only realized since like it's only healthy to be authentic and it's not a sustainable life to keep it quiet. But I don't know. I sort of believed that for a while. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I moved to Nashville to be more ingrained in the music industry and enjoy yeah. like the music business. And I felt like here I could be the bigger fish in the smaller pond than go- going to LA and 
but the difference was like, I moved here and everyone was like, it's a good old boys town. It's a good old boys town. And, yeah. you know, and obviously like, I'm sure you see all of our wonderful um, news that comes out of Tennessee in the politics space. So it's no, like, yeah, this doesn't feel like a safe place. And so I don't know if it ever like felt fun or like this fun secret I had because I felt unsafe about the secret mm. that I was carrying, but it wasn't until um, I met, um, uh, who's now one of my best friends, Cassidy Pope. Uh, she had come off of The Voice. and um, Yeah, I know Cassidy from Hey Monday and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now she's back in pop punk. Um, I, Which is great. I think I heard that people that, that I love leave, that's a cool song. It sounds yeah. right for her. Yeah, she's got one coming out uh, uh, actually tomorrow um, nice. that you'll have to check out. Very sexy. It's called Almost There. Um, cool. And, uh, but yeah, she we were at, uh, having drinks one night and she just like started asking me like, so like, have you like, how long have you been single? Like when was the last time you had a boyfriend? Like, I don't know. She just started like asking me and it was like the first time that I was like, I feel safe with this person. And I just like, was like, she was oh. just being assumptive, right? Like just yeah. saying, Oh, cool. Nice. And I just kind of like went with it. And then she kind of like could sense it. And she was like, did I just like ask you something that I shouldn't have? And I was like, no, actually, like that feels right. And so oh, awesome. we just like started uh and that just kind of like rippled effect. And then I met um my now husband, but uh I just changed my status one day to on Facebook to like engaged or you know what or in a relationship or something. And all of a sudden I got like texts from family members and they were like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't even know that you came out. And I was like, I I didn't. I mean, they just did, I guess, but yeah. I just changed my relationship status. And now you guys know. And so it did feel like a little bit like I didn't have to. Cause at that point too, I was like I said, like I was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to like have some kind of like explanation or some big like coming out party because I was an adult and I was just doing what felt right to me in, in that moment. And so it's and interesting. I, I felt this obligation, like once I decided to come out in my private life and like slowly tell people that I felt close to and safe to. Um, then I started to feel an obligation. I remember just like calling each important person in my life and like either having, can we go to dinner or can I talk to you for a couple hours? And I, and I don't know if that is like, right. I mean, it was right for me. I don't, I, I also really acknowledge it. It's it essentially is no one's, business or like it's it's the business is when you want it to make it a thing um right. you know but i i do like to echo like that i mean i remember seeing like milk the movie and harvey milk was a big inspiration in those early days for me because it was like his 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 want and desire for everyone to come out for visibility and i can just be someone that can say Honestly, my life has improved. At least my mental health has improved since I've come out. Um, but it's not this magic thing, right? Like, you don't all of a sudden, like, know every drag queen on, on yeah. Drag Race. You don't know every law being implemented in every right. state. Like, you're not this perfect yeah. uh, gay person all of yeah. a sudden, right? Yeah. And, th just, and that, that was just a lesson to me, too. I had to shut up. Like, I had to go, like, I actually need to learn a little. I'm not yeah. just, you know. Yeah. This king all of a sudden. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think um, the interesting kind of thread that I'd love to hear your perspective on in that too is like you you came out, but you also mentioned, you know, the band, very Mormon. Um, yep. it, it was a bit of the brand in the beginning too. And I feel like that got mm. a, that label got on you guys a little bit just because you were, you kept saying that you were out of Utah. And I feel like everyone was like, oh, well, Utah, like Mormon. And that became like kind of the story of Neon Trees. But yeah. I know that the band has taken quite a turn in yes. um, since then. And like, how was your coming out and was that responsible in any kind of way for kind of some of the changes that the band has had personally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming out was once I got over the hurdle of it and felt and realized that it was being received mostly with love. And I think that was the troubling thing for me is you're right. I came out as Mormon still. And like this naivety that I had where I was like, I'd spent so much time uh, never fitting into my religion, but always carrying so much water for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right. Like in interviews early on, I felt it like kind of like punk or defiant to be like, yeah, I look like this and yeah, I perform like that. And yeah, I sing like this way, but I'm also Mormon. What, what's your problem? Yeah. You know? And I, there was sort of that attitude to not shy away from it, but it's true. It did become a label. And I, I think we adopted it because it felt kind of defiant but i i realized after coming out um you know i came out as i I think the more the the article was called gay mormon and and finally out in rolling stone like Mm -hmm. that moniker was always attached to me and part of coming out for me was trying to like get rid of all of the the labels and all of the ceiling that i had lived in in the box and and yet it i feel like about the year or two after I almost felt more closed in. Um, the pop psychology tour was amazing. I, it was the first time I was performing as an out person. And it was very inspirational. And there were moments in the show that I would really authentically um, cry. I just feel like so grateful that people were still coming and still interested. Yeah. And it was it's really pretty. powerful for me. Yeah, But I think exactly. after, and then the, things happen within the the faith, the Mormon church that only proved to feel like it was going to be even more stifling to remain in it. Mm-hmm. And it really came down, the gut punch came down when, when they sort of made a, a new policy that um, if you were a parent of a queer person, um, your kids would have to disavow you to be baptized. And like mm-hmm. that kind of language. And then realizing we were still being coupled in like, Mormonism loves to classify sin or like give certain merit to sin, which is absurd. Right. But, you know, being gay was in the same classification as incest or murder and it's like, or pedophilia. And it's like, Mm. and you really just let it go. I'm supposed to be happy and I'm finally living my truth. And yet I'm carrying all this water and all this devotion to this faith. That's never had space for me, never had room. And that was the real point when I let it just like, I looked at everything and I was like, this is, and if I'm offensive, I'm sorry, but this is made up. This is made up and it's actually limiting my life and it's actually doing harm. Like if I thought the closet was doing harm, like Mm -hmm. this is the thing that's really going to keep me from fully flourishing. And I did what a lot of people think is 
scary. I just burnt it down. I, I burnt the bridge happily and it really altered my band in a lot of ways. And it was really painful for a long, yeah. a long time because I didn't ask permission from my bandmates. I wasn't really communicative. I was doing my solo thing and I, I felt safe to do it. It was under my name and, mm-hmm. and it was, and I was doing it while I was processing it. And while I was in the heat of the faith crisis and sort of out in orbit, feeling like I was, you know, spinning. So, so how was, did you heal that? How did you like heal that relationship? And, you know, because obviously like, I know Elaine, I know that some of the band members have been outspoken too about some of the yeah. things that you have said and, um, but they've also changed a lot and they, yeah. you know, have their own brands now of, of different kind of, uh, the way that they wear their faith is different. And, yeah. uh, how did, how did you guys heal to come back and, and now obviously continue on? I mean, we, we healed, we, we did a lot of group, group therapy or, or, I mean, maybe not in a structured way, but it was a lot of like conversation for the first time um, and really getting deep into it. And I think me leaving Mormonism and coming out, I had this craving to have conversations finally that weren't, I don't know if you've ever talked to someone and I, I know I'm going to come across as some anti-religious, like crazy person, but those are my feelings. Mm -hmm. But I, you ever talk to someone that sort of, has limitations oh, yeah. whether they're religious or moral or what or political and they can only talk about so many things or it can only go so far mm-hmm. and once i shed a lot of that i had this real craving to just like really get to know people really realize like oh i have a way more thoughts on that than i ever shared and um so in that way i was not afraid to have conversations with my band and really i wanted to know where they stood i wanted to know where they thought um, about certain things. And I I wanted to challenge them for the first time and not just pacify that so it wasn't uncomfortable, you know? Right. Um, so we've had to break down a lot. And yeah, I mean, Elaine, Elaine's been through her her own journey. I don't like speaking for her, but she's in a, an incredible place. Um, yeah. And I hope she's able to talk more free about her, where she's at in her life as well, I think. Um, you know, we're all really respectful of where we're at now. And there wasn't that for a few years, you know, um, we do, we have like a real love. I think we're all kind of in love with each other again. Um, that's awesome. And I don't say that lightly and that's healing for me because I'm getting to know, like I'm getting to know Elaine and I'm getting to know Chris in ways I, I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And that's hard and kind of wild to say after being in a, family for 15 years you know um absolutely i'm actually more excited to see them than i like it's only getting more exciting and there's more value there than maybe i thought yeah and i think i i mean as someone who obviously um we grounded the conversation at the beginning with i've been i've been around i know the music i know the i know the catalog um for the last 13 plus years and you know, the, I think in favorite days, you can hear it again. You can hear that you guys are gelling, that you guys are back. Um, It feels like, you know, this is the continuation of what you guys were doing. And, um, and so I think it's really exciting. Is there, um, 
we were talking about themes of music. Is there a theme or is there something that's really drawing inspiration for this project that Favorite Days is sort of kicking off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give away the title because like you try these days, you try to like reserve each each piece of information to yeah. get some yeah. sort of hit or something. Yeah. But um, but I will say that it is an album. There's 12 songs on it. There's this is the start. But, you know, um, we're not doing that start stop thing where we like throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. Like there's a real deliberate um, thread and plan here. And and I think choosing favorite days is the start. It felt just, I think the whole record has an urgency and I think you can kind of hear the seams more on this record than in, in records past. I think we'll always use the studio and, and synths and production elements because that's, that's record making. Right. And I, I love those elements, but I think you can really feel the band. Like you can really feel Elaine's musicality as a drummer on this mm -hmm. record. Um, there was a real deliberate thought to bring what, what we bring live into the record. And, and I think we've done that at, on occasion on songs. I think I'm not saying like any of our records are flat. I think there's, they all have an energy, but oh, yeah. there's, there's a bit more of a, a feeling there of that. Um, but it's, it's still a neon trees record and, I'm happy as a lyricist on this album uh, more than more than ever. I think because I going back to like sometimes not feeling safe to be completely myself and sometimes even in the band, mm -hmm. I don't feel that anymore when I'm a writer. I'm not worried if I choose to say a swear word or if I choose to say a line like justify my love or get the fuck off my dick that mm -hmm. Elaine's going to hear the demo and go, oh, okay, well we need to change that. She's like, right. that's like favorite days was actually like one of her favorite of the demo batches when I first started showing them stuff. So it's like that as a creator and a kind of the leader of the band, it gives me a lot of like a, a sigh of relief and then lets me just be myself. I mean, yeah. it was funny. Like, Elaine is also a backup does a lot of backups and harmonies in our band and and that's mm -hmm. a sound of a lot of the songs and um she was she did a backup on a lot of those like kind of colorful <laughs> lines yeah. and phrases yeah so no I, and usually I do. she'd be mortified but she was like happily happily doing it so yeah I, lo cool. I love when she comes out and does uh her yeah uh on pop psychology when she's got her like a uh, little solo and she comes oh yeah out yeah very much yeah. i love it um, so the album though, won't be out until 2024, right? The beginning of 2024. Yeah, it'll be, I think we're aiming at March, but. Okay. But so we're going to get more music before then. Cause the tour kicks off in San Francisco, September 15th, I think. Yep. Um, and so are you going to give us more of samplings of what we're going to get on the new album yeah. or is this going to be kind of your two, I think there's going to, we'll have two more songs Okay. before at least before the end of the year. Um, nice. And Favorite Days isn't necessarily like we're pushing it. I, it is at alt radio and it's getting ads and that's exciting. But it was more like the song paired with that visual. That was the deliberate nature of it. We wanted to have that be the tone setter. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I think that song has, has, you know, mass appeal uh qualities but I, i'm not necessarily so focused on it being like 
charting or it needing right. to like reach some some peak and if it does that's amazing and it, we're not just throwing it out to be to get streams or something but i think there's other songs that we're very focused on being more like a, of a banner anthem of the record but um nice. but i'm i'm happy and i i've really felt you know the only thing that's frustrating about releasing modern music these days which i'm sure you can completely understand is we're so slave to an algorithm we don't understand anymore yeah and yeah. we're uh i don't know we're all just forced to become content creators mm-hmm. and i didn't get in this business to do that um and so what i love is seeing fans comment and hearing authentic like reactions that are all positive and excited and the frustrating part is like i know that if we could if we somehow paid a certain dollar or or found some goosing of an algorithm that we could cut through it yeah um so it's that weird thing of like how do you how do you reach an audience these days right um yeah it's tough and it's very different than it used to be but yeah you know, you guys always have been the hustlers and able to do yeah. it. And so, you know, I, I feel confident that you will, you will find it again. I appreciate it. I mean, we're, we've always been a slow burn, um, which I, I kind of find value and I, I don't, I don't like to just, I, I've never think about things like putting it out so that it, it reaches, um, some status. I don't think that way still, but it is a nice quality to have. Of course. To reach you know so yeah validating even if you're not searching for validation and what you're doing um so tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the tour um because obviously now you've got such a huge catalog i I imagine it's really tough to put a set list together um with so many great songs uh so what can folks sort of expect yeah um it's called the favorite days tour Uh, for obvious reasons because it's the new song and it's sort of you know the the demarcation of a new a new chapter but i i also like calling it that because it it has a nostalgia quality and i think that's not you know the show is not a nostalgia play but it's definitely we're being deliberate in the size venues we're playing we're not coming out of a pandemic right away trying to like sell out huge rooms Mm -hmm. and we haven't toured in a while and i think the best place to start is a place of um really playing for the core Mm -hmm. so i i think the the it's going to be very catered to like our fans that that know albums that know songs beyond the three or four songs that uh the mass appeal knows you know i Mm -hmm. think um and we didn't get to tour off of I Can Feel You Forgetting Me because we put it out during the pandemic. So it's going to be fun to have that as a section in the in the the show. We're building it right now. We're changing the stage plot for the first time in years. We're, you know, adding actual, like, production elements. It's really fun. Like, this is our first hard-ticket public-facing thing in, a, in a, quite a minute. So um, I'm... I'm geeking out in that way you know <laughs> yeah no i i wish you guys were coming to nashville i might have to it's dumb or not i know I know. after we put like we're reaching all of the like the the major cities but nashville's a major city but when we put it out i was like oh yeah why aren't we playing like boston or pittsburgh or nashville yeah. but it's all i have to say is this isn't 
a one and done situation. And I know there has been sort of a push pull with our fans at times throughout the last 10, 12 years. But I'm confidently saying unless someone decides that we're now in lockdown again or <laughs> some terrible thing happens, Let's which we never know. Yeah. But I'm hoping nothing is in the way for us to continue to we have our eyes on a on a larger a larger prize for sure. Nice. Um, well, and Nashville's a tough city. It's a music industry town and a yeah. lot of folks want, you know, comps to go to shows and it's, you know, yeah. a lot of them sit around and don't like jump around and get like into it. We get a little, we don't, we have low energy crowds here sometimes. Yeah. Well, um, we did, we did Nashville pride maybe three or four years ago, which oh, was, yeah, I remember bad, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah. I, I and think actually it was feel town, special but, that we got to do it. Were you there? I think I was out of town cause otherwise uh, I would have been there, but, um, but yeah, I, I do remember that. I saw that and I was bummed that I had to miss that. But yeah, it would it be was, great to see you. It was a surprising pride because it was way more humbler than I expected. You know, you hear Nashville now is like this thriving place of culture. And you're, I know I have so many songwriter friends that have mm-hmm. moved out there and all that and a lot of industry. And then you get there and you, and obviously you brought up the political points, but you get there and you realize how much there still is work to do and... Oh, it's yeah. not this thriving uh, liberal area that you think maybe it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, Nashville proper probably is a little bit more. It's but, the dot. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's the, it's the wider population of Tennessee that makes sure. it tough for all of us here. But, um, but yeah, I'll, maybe I'll, you know, pop down to Georgia or, um, uh, uh, I think you guys are doing Chicago, so maybe I'll like go on a road trip somewhere. or something. Yeah, yeah. and come come <laughs> check it out because I'd love to see the show again. Um, well, before we uh, head out, what uh, where can folks sort of follow you, stay up to date with? Uh, I know obviously your socials, but then also the bands. But give us kind of the the tags. Yeah, we're we're official Neon Trees on all of the social platforms, even Threads. Uh, these days we gotta have it all and yeah. i'm tyler in a coma on all of it um i mostly post on instagram um so you and i i love to share my life through stories um like we all do yeah but uh and and i run all the neon trees accounts too um yeah nice and, and our website neontrees.com for all the tour info and we have some cool new merch that people can can get Grab. to yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, Tyler, it's been so great to catch up with you. Um, it's been so long and I just, I can sense an energy from you that like you feel really comfortable with who you are and where you are now. And I, I love to see that. That means a lot. Cause you have, we have adjacently been walking a path, uh, for a while. So I'm glad that you are observing that. I so appreciate you always thinking of me and yeah, including me. So yeah, when I saw the when I saw the new single coming out, I was like, "Oh, great! We gotta have Tyler." So we gotta, we gotta make it. Well, happen. let's talk again when the album comes out. For yeah, sure, I would love to. And um, and yeah, we've got more to talk about. I want to hear more about like your pop culture influences and all the stuff. So we gotta sure. be back. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks again for being here. And for all of you listening, don't forget to check out Favorite Days. It's available now. And if you like what you heard today, don't forget to rate and subscribe so that you never miss an episode of The Gist. You can find me uh, at CM Vetrano on Instagram, threads, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. Um, and until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.